Um, so, between Easter and Pentecost, we are going to be looking at people's encounters with the risen Jesus. And this week, we are going to look at the passage from Luke 24, verses 1 to 11. Kai is going to come and read it to us now. Good morning, family. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the woman took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the woman bowed down with their faces to the ground, but the man said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee? The Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day he raised again. Then they remembered his words. When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanne, Mary the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. But they did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Thanks, Kai. So Kate Dinwoody gave me the title, Women's Nonsense, for this passage. And I'm sure that Nigel or Yinka would not have dared to say that. Um, But it comes from verse 11 in the NIV, which says, But they, the apostles, did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. A little testimony to start with. When planning this service came up a couple of weeks ago, I thought to myself, I don't want to do much in this service. Maybe I'll sing, but that's about it. I was driving home from Falmouth at the time, but by the time I arrived home, God had planted this talk into my head, so I thought I'd better go along with it. Right, women's nonsense. I want to share a couple of quotes of you found from these old books that I found. They were published in 1946. The first one is called The Perfect Wife. Not too high an expectation. I had a chuckle reading it and was very grateful that it is now the 21st century. So this quote is about conversations between a husband and wife. And it says, The wife should not confine her thoughts and interests to domestic activities. Her husband should be spared too frequent and too detailed a recital of the iniquities of laundry. So the companion book to The Perfect Wife is entitled The Complete Husband. Why don't you get a a perfect husband? I don't know. But it highlights conversations between you and your spouse from the man's side. And it says, Do not imagine yourself too loftily superior to be bothered by her tales of the day's doings in the household. It is an unfriendly thing to decline listening to her account as what has happened beneath your, and thinking that it is beneath your mighty intellect. <laughs> well, in 80 years, things have changed. Although Kai said that he and Jeff know a lot about women's nonsense. He was either joking or being very brave. <laughs> the attitudes to women have improved in the last 100 years or so. But I thought we should start by looking back to the attitudes to women in the Bible. So I read an article on the Jews for Jesus website about this, 
and it highlighted that in Old Testament times, women participated in all aspects of community life, except in the priesthood of the temple. A few examples from scripture are in Proverbs 31, when it describes how women are involved in business. In Ruth chapter 2, women were involved in manual labor. Psalm 68, women played music in the sanctuary. And in Deuteronomy 31.12, women were required to be present for the public reading of the Torah on the Feast of Tabernacles. But this attitude towards women, in Jesus' time, it was not like this. In the period between the Old and New Testament, Judea had been invaded by the Greeks, and women were treated very differently in Hellenistic society. Women were mainly confined to the home, usually illiterate, and were not allowed to testify in court. Their public lives were heavily restricted. Hellenistic attitudes towards women had integrated into the culture of Judea in Jesus' time. Yet, Jesus' attitude to women was not like this. He included women. His saving message was for anyone who had ears to hear. The Gospels document the many encounters that Jesus had with women, such as with the Canaanite woman in Matthew 15, the Samaritan woman in John 4, and his relationships with Mary and Martha in Luke 10. And after his resurrection, in John 20, Jesus appeared first to Mary Magdalene. And in our Bible passage today, we have heard how it was women who heard the good news of Jesus' resurrection first, before the men. Yet the apostles, being men of their time, dismissed what the women said. Is there any group of people that you dismiss today? For many years, children were thought little of. How many of us, older people, can remember the phrase, children should be seen and not heard? In recent years, though, children's rights have been protected by international law, namely the UN Convention on the Rights of the Child. But do we still look down on them because they are not yet adults? If a child speaks about Jesus, do we listen or do we dismiss it? Have we forgotten that Jesus told us in Matthew 18, verse 3, that we need to be like little children if we want to enter the kingdom of heaven. Young children see the world with a sense of awe, wonder, and joy. They completely trust their parents, and they want to learn from them. This is what we need to be like as Christians. Do we completely trust Father God and look to him, or do we try to figure things out for ourselves? But what other group of people might we dismiss? What about the older generation? People used to be taught to respect their elders, but in recent decades, youth has become a bit of an idol. Gone are the days when we lived in multi-generational households. And people today can become very fixated on their own concerns and what affects them directly at the stage of life that they are at. Do these attitudes appear only out there in the world, or are they present in the church too? Now, I'm blessed to be in Nigel and Kate's Gatebird's home group. The youngest member of our group is eight years old, and the oldest is in their late 70s. And we hit every decade in between. And I must say, it is such a blessing to belong to a home group with such a range of ages. Through fellowship, prayer, and Bible study, we learn and share what the Christian walk is like for each of us, whatever stage of life we are at. It is truly like being in a family. If you're not part of a home group and would like to be, please speak to Bev Parkinson, who heads up this important area of the church. Wave your hand, Bev. Thank you. 
The Bible has a lot to say about respecting the elderly and paying attention to the wisdom that older people have. Even Solomon, who had the gift of wisdom from God, had some older men who helped him to make decisions. You can find it in 1 Kings 12 verse 6. Are we guilty of thinking that someone over a certain age is out of touch with what the church is doing and so disregard their opinion? Are we so focused on the church of the future that we forget the relevance of the church as it is now? I'm basically saying that we shouldn't dismiss anyone from being used by God, whether they are young, old, male or female. Remember what it says in Joel chapter 2, verses 28 and 29. And afterward, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams and your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. And Peter mentions this passage about after the Holy Spirit comes in Acts 2 verse 17. The Holy Spirit falls on men and women, young and old. Isn't that amazing? In Luke 24, in verses 6 to 8, it says, Now this is the two men who the women met outside the tomb, saying this. They said, Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee, the Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they, the women remembered his words. The women had forgotten what Jesus had said, but they remembered again when they were reminded. The apostles too had forgotten what Jesus had told them. And even when the women told them, they still did not remember. The gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke all say that Jesus predicted his death three times. So you would expect the apostles hearing the women's story to have said, oh yeah, Jesus told us that would happen. We were expecting that. But they didn't because they didn't remember. People are prone to forget what they have been told. We all need to be reminded of the things God has done and said, which is one reason why it is important to read our Bibles every day. And the wonderful thing about the Bible is that you can read a familiar passage, but through the Holy Spirit, you see something new in it. It can speak to us and into situations and ways that it hasn't done before. God also speaks to us through prophecy. And there have been many prophecies regarding Emmanuel. Do you remember what God has been saying to us as a church? It's not a trick question. (laughs) I'm going to remind you of three words given to EBC in recent years. About a year ago, Mark Madavan came and preached... Can anyone remember what he said? This is a question. Redig the wells. I listened to it again recently. It's on the website. Wells provide us with water, which we need to stay alive and healthy. We need living water to be healthy Christians. Redigging your wells means connecting with God and having fellowship with each other. Sundays alone is not enough. I would urge you to join house groups, read your Bible every day, come to Friday family. The more wells that you have, the stronger your faith will become. Three years ago, I was challenged by something that Carrie said about finding time for what matters. I used to spend half an hour in the mornings before getting up for work, checking emails, looking at the news and scrolling through Facebook. But I didn't have time to read my Bible 
So I was challenged to sort my priorities out. I started reading the Bible in one year as soon as I woke up. And I found that I still had time to check emails and the news and scroll a little bit on Facebook. I was so grateful to God for that nudge to read his word every day because it was such a blessing to me to get into that habit when lockdown started. And that was and still is a well in my life. Is it a well in yours? The second word I want to remind you of is from Matt Noble. He shared a word with us at a church members meeting last year. He said, oil your shields. And that's found in Isaiah chapter 21, verse 5. The verse says, they set the tables, they spread their rugs, they eat, they drink. Get up, you officers, oil the shields. So it means don't sit back and party, prepare for battle. Oiling the shields is what soldiers used to do before going into battle. It preserved the shield and ensured the enemy darts slipped off them. If you don't oil your shield, it will become hard and crack, making it easier for an enemy sword to break through. But how do we oil our shields? By redigging the wells, connecting with God and fellow Christians. Now the third word that I want to remind you of was sort of said in numerous places in prayer meetings. And it is, God is doing a new thing. And I read a prophecy recently from Nate Johnston. I thought at the time it was just for me, but I think I thought about it and I'm going to share it with the church because it fits in with that word. Nate is a Christian with a prophetic ministry. He had a dream of a cicada shedding its skin and heard, shed off the old thing and put on your new mantle. As we prepare for a new minister, we may be excited, but also a bit wary about the change a new minister may bring. It can be uncomfortable to shed the old mantle and put on the new, but know that it's from the Lord. The old mantle could be wearing us down as we move into the new assignments and roles God has for us. Are you willing to move into the new? The cicada needs to shed its old skin, which has become hard because it limits growth and development. Is there hardness inside of you which is limiting your growth as a Christian? Is there something that you need to shed today? Whether it is a role, an idea, a habit, a sin. Jesus wants you to put on his mantle, his yoke, which he said was easy and light. If something is weighing you down, you have the opportunity to remove it today. I'm going to end with Hebrews 12, verses 1 to 2, which says, Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith.